He was said to embody the devil himself, extraordinarily tall with a wild black beard and hair tied up with lit fuses. His eyes, like embers, burned with a demonic glow and even the fiercest of men cowered at the sight of his flag. History paints Blackbeard as one of the most feared pirates of the Seven Seas. But did you know there's no evidence that he actually killed anyone? Let's fix that. Hello, I'm Shay LaFontaine, and you're listening to History Fix, where I discuss lesser-known true stories from history you won't be able to stop thinking about. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into the surprising rise and fall of the infamous pirate Blackbeard and reveal some glaring misconceptions about his story. Now, I have to warn you that much of what we know about Blackbeard is shrouded in mystery and assumptions based on very little fact. Pirates didn't exactly keep detailed records, so most of our knowledge of Blackbeard comes from accounts from his victims in legal proceedings and a book called A General History of the Pirates that was published six years after his death by a Captain Charles Johnson, a pen name for a still unknown to this day author, although many believe Johnson to be Daniel Defoe, who wrote Robinson Crusoe. There are other competing theories as well, though. So anyway, whoever he was, Johnson took a lot of creative license in his portrayal of Blackbeard, so experts take a general history of pirates with a grain of salt. I've done my best to gather actual truth for this episode, Uh, so here we go. Edward Teach was born in Bristol, England around 1680. Like most details of his life, there's even some debate as to the actual spelling and pronunciation of his last name. For much of history, names were never really written down, and when they were, the spelling varied considerably depending on who was doing the writing. They just sort of wrote it how they heard it. So sometimes Blackbeard's name is written and pronounced Teach, like T-E-A-C-H, and other times it's written and pronounced Thatch, like T-H-A-T-C-H, like a thatch roof. I'm going to go against some of the leading experts here who pronounce it thatch and say, I'm going to say teach, and I'll tell you why. There is a well-known river in England that runs through London. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called the Thames River. Thames, but it's spelled T-H-A-M-E-S, like Thames. Thames and Thames reminds me a lot of thatch and teach. So I'm hazarding a guess that the name was spelled like Thatch, but pronounced like Teach. So anyway, Edward Teach was born in England. There is evidence to suggest that he was an educated man. He could read and write. He had some knowledge of math. So when Blackbeard's just entering adulthood, England is embroiled in Queen Anne's War. They're fighting France for control of North America. And there's also a Spanish war going on at this time. So lots of war. England needed a super impressive navy. They had a ton of ships and a ton of sailors, and Teach became a privateer for the Queen, which is essentially a legal, government-regulated pirate. But privateers were sort of a wartime thing. All is fair in love and war, right? You can raid and pillage enemy ships during a war, but not so much after the peace treaty was signed. So when the war ended in 1713, England was like, Okay, everybody, go home. We're all good now, thanks. And privateering 
just wasn't really a thing anymore. But now there are all of these men and some women with a very particular set of skills who have just taken part in this super exhilarating, adventurous lifestyle of a privateer, and now they're unemployed, so to speak. So this gave rise to what is known as the golden age of piracy, where these former privateers just sort of kept doing their thing, except now it wasn't necessarily legal or sanctioned by the government. They've essentially gone rogue. At this time in history, most trade is taking place in the Caribbean. You've got these Caribbean islands teeming with riches. And I don't mean like gold and silver. I mean sugar and cotton and tobacco. When most people think of pirate treasure, they think of a treasure chest full of gold. Honestly, that is a misconception. Not to say they would pass up gold if they came across it, but most pirate treasure was actually trade goods, commodities. Sugar was huge. They called it white gold. So it's really not surprising Blackbeard's supposed treasure has never been found. Sugar doesn't exactly keep like gold. Anyway, because of all this trade in the Caribbean, Nassau in the Bahamas became essentially the pirate capital. And Edward Teach, or Blackbeard, as he is known colloquially, goes there to join them. And it's in Nassau that he finds Captain Benjamin Hornigold, who's already an established pirate with a ship and a crew, and Blackbeard joins them. Hornigold has some faults as a captain, though. He's not particularly good at keeping his crew happy. This is, however, a strength for Blackbeard. He prioritizes the happiness of the crew stealing liquor for them when morale is low, and he quickly rises through the ranks, and he has all these crew members becoming super loyal to him. He's he's really a natural-born leader. Now, make no mistake here, though, he's, he's not doing this for the good of the crew. Everything Blackbeard does is looking out for his own best interests. He's a pirate, after all, not a philanthropist. But he knows an unhappy crew is a potentially mutinous crew. He's not stupid. So it gets to a point where the student has outlearned the master. And the summer of 1717, Blackbeard decides he wants to go out on his own and do his own thing. So he goes to Nassau, which is, of course, the pirate capital of the Caribbean. And he sees this busted up ship docked there waiting for repairs. So he goes up to the ship to figure out what the deal is because he needs a ship. And there's a man on board named Steed Bonnet. And <laughs> Steed Bonnet cracks me up. This character, I swear. So Steed Bonnet is not a pirate. He is a gentleman. He's actually the heir to a sugar plantation in the Barbados. But he wants to be a pirate. So he bought a boat. He has no idea what he's doing. He wrecked the boat. He's waiting to have it repaired in NASA. So he's essentially a rich kid wannabe pirate. And I feel... I feel like I'm so familiar with this character growing up where I did. I knew a few Steed Bonnets, and I find it very comical. So Blackbeard's like, what's up with this ship? And Steed is like, I bought it because I want to be a pirate, but I have no idea what I'm doing. And then Blackbeard must have said something like, well, I'm a legit pirate, but I need a ship, so let's partner up. And so Blackbeard and his crew take over the ship, Steed comes with them, of course, but he's just sort of puttering around in his cabin reading books. It's, it's his ship, so he gets to be part of it. Um, he gets the pirate experience that he wanted. 
Now, now that Blackbeard has his own ship and his own crew, he sets out to start pillaging and whatnot, but he does something a little different than the other pirates. Instead of hitting up all these tiny islands in the Caribbean, he goes to the east coast of what is now the United States, uh, but was at the time the 13 British colonies, because remember, this is, this is 1717, so this is pre-Revolutionary War. And he's doing his pirate stuff near these big port cities from South Carolina all the way up to New Jersey. And the difference between these port cities and all the little disconnected islands of the Caribbean is that they are centers of communication. Their newspapers start reporting on Blackbeard and the news spreads. He goes the 18th century version of viral, so to speak. And it helps that he is this terrifying spectacle. You see, Blackbeard was all about intimidation. There are no factual reports that he ever killed anyone. He'd roll up on a ship, hoist his distinctive flag, which showed a demon skeleton stabbing a heart with a spear. Um, you can see a picture of this on my Instagram, at History Fix Podcast, if you've never seen it. And the captain and the crew of the ship would pretty much just surrender immediately. So Blackbeard would board their ship looking terrifying with his wild black hair, supposedly lit with fuses, which I honestly don't know how true that is. I mean, that might have happened like one time and people ran with it. But I've lived my whole life on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which was Blackbeard's main zone of operation. It is so windy here all the time. It's always windy. That's why the Wright brothers brought their glider here to this super random remote sandbar because of the wind. I don't see this lighting fuses inches from his face and hair thing in the wind at sea going over so well. Um, but that is part of his image for whatever reason. So we take the ship and whatever valuables were on it, including the clothing of the crew and any passengers, and then he'd send them to shore, like naked. He would let them go, but he took their clothes. He didn't kill them or even hurt them for the most part. He just he just looked scary enough that they immediately gave up. And this news is spreading because he's doing it near these centers of communication, and he's also letting the victims live to tell the tale. So his reputation... His infamy is growing and growing. Blackbeard is trending hard in 1717. And he's also getting a bunch of ships and new crewmen. He gets to a point where he has 250 men in his crew. And up to half of them are formerly enslaved Africans who have escaped to become pirates. Um, because you see, Blackbeard and most pirates accepted black people as equals and welcomed them into their crew word got out among enslaved people that pirates would treat them like actual humans and offer them better lives than they currently had. And they actually started to hope that their colony, their plantation where they were enslaved, would be attacked by pirates so that they could potentially be rescued from slavery. So that really speaks to the depravity of slavery and how poorly these people were being treated by their enslavers that they wished to be attacked by pirates in order to escape that life. So at some point, Steed Bonnet gets his own ship. So he must have been picking up some pirate skills after all. So Steed is a captain and Blackbeard is the Commodore. He's still the boss man. So now we come to what is probably Blackbeard's greatest triumph. 
And that is the capture of a French slave ship called La Concorde, east of the island of Martinique. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after a quick break. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. This ship was transporting 450 enslaved Africans to the colonies, so super heavy and weighted down and slow. Also, the crew was super sick with scurvy and dysentery. It is said that only 23 men were healthy enough to even function at the time that Blackbeard's fleet approached. So La Concorde immediately surrenders. They know they don't stand a chance against Blackbeard and his whole fleet of ships and 250 men. And Blackbeard takes the ship and some of the enslaved Africans join his crew And he actually gives the captain a small ship and most of the enslaved people back. And he just lets them go. He just wanted the ship, really, because this thing is massive and super impressive as far as ships go. So Blackbeard renames La Concorde. He names it the Queen Anne's Revenge, which is a total jab at the current King George, um, who sort of took over Queen Anne's Stuart line. It was like a new line of monarchs and it was a little controversial and whatever. Queen Anne's revenge was like sticking it to King George. Um, So he rigs it up with 40 guns, makes it into a proper pirate ship, and he goes on his way. In December of 1717, Blackbeard receives word that the king, King George, has signed a proclamation to end piracy. He says that All pirates who surrender will be pardoned by the king. They get to keep any loot that they've stolen up to a certain date, but then they have to retire from piracy. But what's interesting to me about this proclamation is that the certain date he sets is in the future. He basically goes, you guys have till January 5th to steal whatever you want and get away with it. If you steal it after January 5th, you won't be pardoned for it. So, yeah. So Blackbeard sees this as a pretty great opportunity and he starts looking for a final score to retire on he sets up a blockade at charleston south carolina and he's like stealing all kinds of stuff he captures a passenger ship called the crowley now this ship has a bunch of prominent charlestonians on board people that would be missed if something happened to them and blackbeard holds them hostage and sends a list of demands to South Carolina's Governor Johnson. He tells Johnson to send a chest of medical supplies because at this time, many of Blackbeard's crew are sick. He tells Johnson if he doesn't get the medicine, he will behead the captives and send Johnson their heads. So this is wild to me. He's threatening to chop off the heads of well-known prominent South Carolina citizens and send them to the governor. He could have asked for anything, gold, more ships, whatever. 
he asks for a chest of medicine to help his sick men. He really took care of his own, y'all. It's crazy. But whatever. Johnson sends the medicine. The hostages are released and sent to shore, and Blackbeard and his fleet sail north. But at this point, Blackbeard is like, hmm, did I just take it too far? That might have been a bit much. And he realizes that his crimes at this point are more than enough to have him hanged. And despite his plans to get that pardon from King George, he's he's just sort of in over his head here. He has this massive crew and this whole fleet of ships And it's really just a liability at this point. They can't possibly come into any of the ports. They attract way too much attention now. So Blackbeard realizes he needs to downsize considerably. And as they sail near Beaufort Inlet in North Carolina, he orders the crew to run his beloved ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge. He he orders them to run it aground in the shallow water. He wrecks it on purpose. This is all part of his master plan. And then he convinces Steed Bonnet to go ashore first to try to get a pardon from North Carolina's governor, Eden. And while Steed is gone, Blackbeard totally turns on him. He takes his ship and maroons all of the crew that was loyal to Steed on a little island. And Steed Bonnet eventually gets hanged for piracy. He just, he really, it did not end well for him. But I don't know. Did anyone really expect it to? So now it's just Blackbeard and some of his most trusted crew members, like 40 or 50 men. He has succeeded in breaking up this massive crew, this pirate empire that he built. And now he is much less obvious and he can sort of sneak around and roll up to ports without attracting so much attention. But he still wants that pardon. So he goes to Governor Eden, who grants him the pardon as long as he agrees to settle down in Bath, North Carolina with his crew and become respectable citizens. But, you see, they don't really hold up their end of the bargain. They would still go out to sea every now and then and come back with this mysterious treasure that they would sell to the governor. And Governor Eden just sort of turned a blind eye because they were bringing wealth into the colony. So he was benefiting from this. It was honestly like a mafia situation, like an like organized crime. Almost a throwback to the privateering days, but not legit at all. Super corrupt. At one point, Blackbeard tows a French merchant ship carrying cocoa and sugar to Ocracoke Island and brings all the goods to Eden. And he's just like, yeah, we stumbled upon this ship. It was it was abandoned. It had all this sugar on it. So we took it. And Eden is just like, sure, that sounds reasonable. Even though the French crew, which he let go as his his M.O., is like, "Um, no, actually, he attacked us and stole all of that. But Eden, (laughs) Eden's just like. No, 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 no. He's he's not a pirate anymore, so that can't possibly be true. We will be keeping the sugar and cocoa, though, because, you know, finders keepers. So Blackbeard is mostly operating out of Ocracoke Island at this point. It's just really the perfect spot. Geographically for a pirate, there's a ton of places to hide. The water is really shallow and treacherous if you aren't familiar with the area. So it made it it made it really difficult for anyone to go after him there. But Governor Spotswood of the Virginia colony starts to get concerned. Blackbeard is threatening Virginia's trade coming into the Chesapeake Bay. And Spotswood conspires with a couple of Royal Navy vessels that are defending the Chesapeake Bay. And he gets them to go after Blackbeard. Now, 
Spotswood has no authority to do this. He has no jurisdiction in North Carolina. Virginia and North Carolina are totally separate colonies. There's no united anything at this point. Lieutenant Robert Maynard of the Royal Navy ends up being the man for the job. He gets two merchant ships, the Ranger and the Jane. So these are merchant ships, not Navy ships. So they're they're sort of in disguise. And he hides a bunch of armed men below decks of these ships and he heads to Ocracoke. So the timing of this could not have been worse for Blackbeard. They'd apparently had a big rager the night before, like a big party on the beach, and they're drinking liquor and carrying on. And when Maynard's ships arrive, they're like passed out, hungover. But someone manages to sound the alarm. Uh, Blackbeard shoots the ranger as it approaches. It's sort of out of commission. And then he mistakenly believes that he has the upper hand at this point. And he boards the Jane, which is exactly what Maynard was hoping he would do. And all these armed men below deck jump out and take him by surprise. It's an ambush. Maynard and Blackbeard rush each other with swords. And they're in this like epic sword fight battle. A naval sailor shoots Blackbeard with a gun and he just keeps fighting. He is like getting slashed and shot. He is riddled with bullets and he's still fighting like a madman until he finally goes down, at which point his crew surrenders. So Maynard cuts off Blackbeard's head and hangs it from the bow of the ship. And then he throws his body overboard. And if you haven't heard the legend, his headless body supposedly swam three laps around the ship. And this is obviously physically impossible, but I think the hyperbole, the exaggeration of this account speaks to how fiercely Blackbeard fought in the end and how determined he was not to give up. Maynard finds a bunch of Blackbeard's loot in like official North Carolina cargo holds and he realizes that Governor Eden is in on the whole thing. Um, And then Eden accuses Spotswood of illegally attacking outside his jurisdiction. It's this huge political scandal, which had to have only served to further solidify Blackbeard's infamy at the time. So the book I mentioned earlier, A General History of the Pirates, comes out six years later. And although much of it was totally sensationalized and exaggerated, it really immortalized Blackbeard and portrayed him really as a hero and someone to be admired, which I find really interesting. This view of pirates has not really changed to this day. We're talking about some really bad guys here. They were straight up villains. They robbed and plundered and some of them murdered. And yet history has remembered them for some reason, almost with like this weird admiration. I mean, Just think about how pirates are portrayed in pop culture, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Captain Jack Sparrow is the protagonist of that story. Little kids have pirate-themed birthday parties. They dress up like pirates for Halloween. It's all very lighthearted. They're thrown right in there with unicorns and mermaids. But in reality, it's traumatic. So I find it so odd that as quote-unquote woke as our society claims to be right now. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being woke. I think it's about time for a lot of that stuff. But it is weird that pirates are still held with such esteem instead of looked at for what they really were, criminals, the worst sort of criminals. And with this sensationalism comes exaggeration and misinformation. And while Edward Teach, Blackbeard, was undeniably an impressive and formidable man, 
I'm left speculating that his infamy as a fearsome, bloodthirsty pirate far exceeds reality. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of History Fix. I hope you found Blackbeard's story interesting, and maybe you even learned something new. Be sure to follow my Instagram at History Fix Podcast to see some of the images of Blackbeard that go along with this story. I'd also really appreciate it if you'd review and follow this podcast on whatever app you're using to listen. That'll make it much easier to get your next fix. Information used in this episode was sourced from the book The Republic of Pirates by Colin Woodard, a short history of podcast episode titled Blackbeard the Pirate, an Encyclopedia Britannica article, which is the craziest tongue twister, about Queen Anne's War, and of course, a general history of pirates by Captain Charles Johnson or Daniel Defoe or whoever that really is. <laughs>